Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. So, good evening everyone. I hope you're all keeping well and safe and sound with everything that's going on at the moment and especially with this second lockdown. Fingers crossed, hopefully we get some more positive news next week. But tonight for the next episode of Creative Minds presented by myself, Callum Hughes. I'm joined by one of Birmingham's most respected promoters in the nightlife industry and an individual who is that consistent with the venues and brands that he's worked with over the years. He's already deservedly become a legend in the city in his own right. Lee has been on the scene for over 10 years and has an abundance of knowledge and experience. He is now general manager at Henman and Cooper an establishment that is already becoming one of the most talked about gaffes for all the right reasons. And he had six years of success at Nirvana in the highly competitive Arcadian. Lee has also previously worked alongside successful entrepreneur and businessman Jay on the legendary Spin, a brand that even today people reminisce about and it no doubt sits at the top table of Birmingham's best brands that have appeared over the years. So tonight we will be discussing his journey so far, the highs and lows that come with being a promoter. We're going to be continuing the important discussion of removing the stigma from men's mental health and also his plans in a post-COVID-19 world. So I'm just going to invite him in now. Easy, brother. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? All good. Yes, all good, mate. Yeah, to be honest, mate, I just went the sauna. Felt a bit fucked today, so uh, just thought I'd have a chilled one, mate. How How are you keeping with everything that's happened this year and everything that's still going on at the moment, especially with the position that you're in in the industry? I mean, like, obviously everyone's in the same boat, mate, so I don't try and dwell too much on it. Um, I've just tried to take the positives out of it. Um, family time, downtime, uh, just time to refresh and just pick up some ideas of, of how to how to get back into the swing of things when we're allowed. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a positive person. I don't try and try and dwell too much on it. I mean, we're all in the same boat, as I said. Uh, hopefully soon we'll get some good news. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, that that's one thing I've noticed from speaking to yourself even before the podcast and other promoters as well. It's only natural that at times you will fall into a bit of a negative mindset, but everyone is in the same boat. It's not like there's one individual in the city who's profiting as a promoter with all this. Everyone's in exactly the same position. So, yeah, I th- it's nice as well. You said that you're having more chance and an opportunity to watch your little lad grow up as well. Whereas in normal circumstances, because you'd be that busy, you probably wouldn't get the chance to spend as much time with them. Totally, mate. I'm never really home as much as I'd like to be. So this being so young as well and just watching him develop daily. Yeah. Sort of a blessing in disguise, do you know yeah. what I mean? I bet you're glad to have a night off tonight, though, with him being at his nans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get to have a couple of beers. Yeah, yeah. So I think it obviously makes sense chronologically to go right the way back to the start of your involvement in the scene. And it's weird, actually, because... 
we, we've spoken, even though I don't actually know you that well, even from when I first moved here, you were one of the first names that popped up and I've always had that respect for you, even though we work in different parts of the scene. But when I was speaking to Brandon and when I spoke to Will Power as well, I know back, probably was it about eight, nine years ago, you were involved with Glass as a ticket seller. So was that your first real taste in the music yeah. industry, was it? So basically, I just started going out loads, started going out and just enjoying the scene. And um, I was newly single, so I just thought, right, time to go out and party. So I sort of got into it by just just naturally. I mean, I've always had a big group of friends around me when we're out, we have a good time, have a good good party, and sort of promoters pick up on that. It's um, like what you can do for them sort of thing. So. I sort of fell naturally into, I think it was spin first, just just doing it like a guest list, going there weekly and just, just becoming friends with everybody, um, starting a guest list, but at the same time, glass come about and I was uh, I was out raving every weekend, so yeah. that sort of formed naturally as well with Will. Um, so I don't even know how that come about, if I'm honest, but it was a good time. Yeah. When glass was fucking popping. <laughs> and there was only a couple of ticket sellers at the time. So... Um, yeah, it was, I enjoyed that. I really did. Yeah. Good old days. So was it a case then that, obviously, like a lot of people, people enjoyed going out, but what stage did you realise that your passion for partying and, and clubbing and whatever else could turn into something that would actually be uh-huh. business-orientated? I just it got to a point where I was going out on, like, a Friday night and I was spending an absolute fortune. I was having a shit night. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this isn't what I want to be doing on a Friday. I want to be fucking partying. I want to listen to the music I want to listen to. So I got together with two friends, Curtis and AC, and we started doing our own Friday night once a month called Nude, down in um, Summer Row by the old meat It was called Blue Bar, really good venue. It's not there anymore. But uh, we started doing like a monthly party, and uh, I, had a, I was working at a time. I was a business development manager for a telecommunications company, and I just... <laughs> I started earning good money from doing this and my heart just wasn't in my job. Yeah. And uh, fair play to the, to the owner at the time, he went, I'm sacking you, fuck off, sort of thing. You're doing shit. I was like, what? He's like, no, <laughs> go, go do your promoting. I was like, come on. He's like, no, no, I'm sacking you, you I was like, fuck. So he's like, look, you're, I said, there's no jobs out there full time doing it. He said, you'll find something. Yeah. I was like, I was like mate, you've really fucked me over it. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, within like two, three months, I'd landed myself like a full-time job doing it. Yeah. Like on, stupid, on silly money for like only being in the scene for about, this was about six months down the line. Um, yeah, so it was sort of, it sort, it sort of happened, which I didn't see coming. Um, yeah. Where I thought, you know what, I just need to start taking it seriously now. Yeah. Well, just, well, basically, I was just going to a party and getting paid to do it. That's, that's all it was. It's a good, it's a good role, isn't it? When when you're really young and you're newly single, and you know, obviously, I know you've got a wife and uh, a little lad now. But at the time, there's probably, apart from being a footballer or a DJ, there's probably not many better jobs out there, to be honest. Is there? It's got its rewards. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, but that's what I was gonna say at first. I thought you had some life-affirming moment where you were sat there in the office and you turned around to the gaffer and went, fuck you, but actually, he he did that to you. <laughs> you know what? I've seen him. I've seen him about, about two months ago. He came to my venue 
and I was chatting to him, and I was just like, do you know what? I thought you were a wanker, but fair fucking play. He's like a multi-millionaire, the guy. He's only young as well. He just said, Lee, he said, you had to follow your passion. Your passion wasn't in this. He said, I could see something in you that something made you tick doing what you were doing. So, it, obviously, it was hard at the time to do it, but you weren't making me no money, so <laughs> see you later. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose you've got you've got to think business-wise, haven't you? I suppose you'd probably yeah. do that if you had someone working for you and they weren't doing anything. You'd have to turn around and say, well, yeah, if you're not... If you're not cutting yeah. the mustard, then you've got to go, so... Yeah, it wasn't nice at the time, fucking needing to pay rent and not having a job. I know. So, I, yeah, I, I did that for a couple of months. I just, I carried on living the lifestyle that I was, that I was doing, and I just, I seen the bigger picture, really. I knew, I knew that I was going to be able to succeed in something that I was passionate about, so I just, I went all guns out then. Yeah. And just, just networked and just got to know people and, did it like that yeah with the early days because brandon was telling me that i know there was only a few ticket sellers but you were like one of the main ticket sellers who just gun in and selling an insane amount of tickets what kind of qualities do you think you had back then that, that enabled you to you know attract so many people to certain events or your own do you know, do you know what being a promoter is, is about to being a nice fucking person i mean like people, it's, it's 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 sort of like a sales job. People buy from people that like. Simple as that. Um, and it's also like creating something for someone to feel like they're missing out on something. So the FOMO, that was a big thing, because it was uh, you. If you're having a good time and having a party, and you know that people, like people know that if they come, they're going to have that. It's just about creating that the image for people in their heads that look, this is what's going to go on. So it's a sales job essentially promoting. Yeah. It is, it really is. Jake There's was. Quality is needed, but um, yeah, I'd say the main one is just fucking being nice, being yeah. nice to people, having time. Definitely, I think that's something. I know there are a lot of nice people in the city, but there are some people who are up and coming who might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Where they, if hopefully if they listen to this or they listen back, is sooner or later if you're just consistently being a cock, you will get found out and people will just won't really have time for you. Yeah, yeah, totally, mate. Exactly. But one thing I wanted to ask, but I know we're going to discuss it later on in terms of the changes that you've seen over the years. I noticed that Jake just commented about paper tickets back in the day. And I know that things have changed in terms of how you promote events, but I feel like, especially back then, you probably stuck out a lot more in terms of who was truly passionate. If you were flying around all parts of Birmingham or even further, going to deliver paper tickets or putting stuff up on lampposts when it was pissing it down. Oh, yeah, mate. Do you know what? I actually enjoyed it, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's many people... Do you know what? There's a lot of people who did it for fuck all, who just wanted that, like, to be part of something. And fair fucking way to them, because they helped massively with being building a brand and, and, and helping to achieve what he wanted to achieve, do you know what I mean? But yeah. there was many that just didn't want to see that side of it. They just wanted more reaction, do you know what I mean? They didn't want to graft. You've got to be able to do those things on in, in terms of, especially when you were coming up, to earn the respect off the main boys back then or, or, or ladies in the scene, you have to be able to do those things in order to yeah. to prove how how passionate you are whether that's going doing flyers when it's pissing it down or whatever else yeah 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 i wouldn't like i wouldn't turn my nose up at anything mate it's uh 
it's a job that you have to start at the bottom from. You don't just you don't just go straight in and make yourself something. You've got to earn your stripes. Yeah, definitely. How, how good were those days then back then? Because I'm always gutted working for Glass now for Will. Obviously, it, the, the culture's completely changed um, compared to when it was um, at Rainbow, and it's still obviously an amazing event. But yeah. just how good was it back then? Mate, it was just totally different. The class of people, the music. I mean, I'm, I'm big into my house, my garage. And back then, it was like all oh, your jacking and your house and bass. And it was just, it was magical, mate. Honestly, Rainbow, I used to pop, but certainly like Bushwhackers and yeah. Rock and Roll Ladders and 231. Every fucking venue was just popping. Mm. Every brand, you know what I mean? What do you think was, was better back then? Do you feel like it was a lot less moody and there was less smartphones and things like that what do you think was better about the vibe back then probably just because i was fucking younger <laughs> <laughs> hangovers were easier to deal with um do you know what for me it was the music yeah uh, right, i'm not really a big tech fan and i feel like most of the rave scene's gone towards tech mm. um lately well lately now a lot of it's moving towards disco which is not maybe in the raids, but obviously the raids haven't been happening. But this year, and I'm, I'm all about the vocals, mate. Any music with vocal, I'm all over that. And yeah. That's what it was back in the day. Do you know what I mean? Um, Lars and producers like that just bringing out fucking bangers weekly. Yeah. So, and it was just more about the, the people were just everyone just wanted to party. You mm. went into some venue, you went into a venue, and everyone was dancing. Everybody. Now you just feel like everyone's just fucking standing around and. Like just looking at what's going on and yeah. it's not a party, you're not partying, come on, get fucking hammered and it's getting <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do feel like, and in, in, in this isn't targeting like the younger generation, because I was probably guilty of it when I first started going to Rainbow, like 2015, is, number one, it, yeah, it is a bit of a shock to the system, so if you went from going to a commercial nightclub to, to a rave, at first, you're a, you're a bit like in the corner, like fucking hell, I don't, don't know what to do with myself, but... No, yeah. But I do feel like as well with how prominent um, s- smartphones are and and people really wanting to capture that moment, which I'm not knocking because in some respects it actually does say, say if you're a DJ and you've just produced a track and everyone captures it and it goes viral on social media, then that's obviously going to do a lot for your publicity and, you know, g- growing organically as an artist or even as a promoter. If you put on a party and everyone's filming it and all their mates are saying, oh, mate, looks like it's going off there. What's what's that? In some respects, yeah, it is a positive. But I do feel like it does act as a barrier now on, on the dance floor, whereas people would probably come together a bit more. I think in some cases it, it doesn't always... Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. I, d- I, don't, know what, I don't know what you think. H- how is it more around, you know, when you worked at Arcadian or when you were at Henman & Cooper and that? Is, is it much of a problem or is it not too bad? It sort of helped in the commercial scene. Yeah. Um, it was all about just getting people to, to see things, you know what I mean? So smartphones and stuff, that helped. Mm. Um, more in the rave scene, I guess it's, it's a lot more drug orientated. Yeah, stuff, yeah, so. yeah. It's true. There's, 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 there's no beating around the bush or sugarcoating it. That's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, it has, like you said, it has its pros and cons. Um, like, I've been I've been caught fucking on cameras doing stupid stuff. <laughs> so, so I've heard, mate. <laughs> but it's also I ain't saying nothing yet, mate. <laughs> but also it's helped me, 
massive link, do you know what I mean? When you've got fucking 200 people in a club taking videos and pictures. Yeah, of course. And then, then everyone's going, where the fuck are you? Do you know what I mean? It helps. It helps to build a branding in your venue. Yeah. Are you laughing at Steve? <laughs> <laughs> So the next question coming on from that, I think we've already partly touched on it around certain skills and and abilities that not everybody possesses when it comes to selling tickets. And you've already mentioned it is pretty much like a sales role and you mentioned around the importance of of being nice. I know that you're not going to sit there and say, oh yeah, I've got an amazing personality and I'm I'm this, I'm that, because obviously you're you're a humble guy, but (laughs) obviously, yeah, that probably does help as well, mate, but... But as as well as like being nice and like growing your network, what what would you say like the combination of ingredients back then that made you a successful like notice promoter coming up the ranks and how you've managed to maintain that and have longevity as well? I was, I was a record, mate. Yeah. I was a record. I was out every fucking week, every every whatever like chance I got to go out. Um, and on social media, I just I was a bit reckless. I was a bit of a prick just said what was on my mind and sort of gauged an audience from it. It's a bit weird. Mm. You know, a bit like, a bit like Jack Gardner's a bit like just like out there. Just, <laughs> I like, do, mate. I do know, yeah. People, people see him and they're like, fucking hell, I want to party with this kid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because a lot of the time... Like building a brand around yourself, that's what it's all about. What what you see is what you get, and and that's what Will said a couple of weeks ago is that there's not many characters you'll meet that are like Jack, but every club or venue has their own character, and with with people like Jack and a lot of other people, not just singling him out because obviously it works to his favour because hence why Levels has done so well with with Rob. But when you know you, you're a bit of a party boy, you've got a bit of a personality, you, you've got a bit of a I don't give a fuck attitude. It, it does attract people and people think, well, at least he's not boring. At least he's not stood there, you know, well, turning his nose up. His... Mate, if I had a shit night, I wouldn't be the one of them people putting it on fucking social media saying, oh, last night was fucking round, it was buzzing. If it was a shit night, I'd go, guys, wasn't the best night last night. I apologise to everyone who come down there. I ain't fucking bullshitting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully next week will be good. And people have respect for that. Do you know what I mean? Because there's many people, promoters out there, with 30 people that their fucking nights going, oh my God, it was amazing. I'm looking down, it's not fucking lying. You've got 30 people there who know you're lying. Yeah. Just be honest. Do you know what I mean? Be honest. And that, that, that helps so much because people know then that if, it, if it's good, it's good. And if it's shit, you're going to be honest. Yeah. And you, and you will have those those shit nights. That's only natural. Like the amount of time that you've been in the scene, mate. If if you had a successful night every Friday and Saturday, you'd be sat in a mansion in Solihull. Like, that's just not how it works out, though, is it? <laughs> All the time. Of Nah. So I know you were saying that spin and glass were around the same time but i was having a good conversation with rue your old kind of i suppose business partner the other the other day and someone who brought you through and to be fair to him he wasn't the one who actually gave me all the dirt on you it was uh people your nearest and dearest that have done you over <laughs> <laughs> you know but, but that's a brand that once again I never really got to experience it in its heyday and I know that he still does the odd room showcase with uh, our house doesn't he now when he does yeah. those events but tell us a bit more about the journey from when that first started and, and what you feel personally with like the I suppose secret ingredients that, that made it so successful and the fact that people still talk about it now to this day Drew's just a god in the scene, mate. Um, I look up to him now, still, business-wise. 
but he was someone who just brought me through, who just showed me the ropes, had a lot of faith in me, and like spin was spin's been going around for fucking years and years and years before even I got started. Right, okay. With Eddie and John, uh, they, they're the guys who actually who actually started spin over at Dragon Eye on Broad Street. I must have been fucking fifteen, well, probably twenty years ago. What is that now on Broad Street? That that gaff. Uh, uh, Dragon Eye, which is which just at the top end. It was next to Studies, at the top top room. It was good. Right, okay. back in the day, mate. It was fucking bright venue. Um, but like Spin, Spin was already a massively successful brand, but they just yeah. they took it over to Sutton on a Thursday at our praise, and I sort of sort of just got my face in there, just being in there all the time, and just getting to know everybody. And I think I just started to guess this for rumors, like come and work for me. I was like, oh. News, doesn't it? It goes without saying. Yeah, I, mean, I had a wicked team, man. like really good. Chris Whitaker, Leon Jenny. I had so many. All my friends was on it, um, and we just made this club. Some everyone was just like, "What the fuck's going on?" Um, and Bamboo at the time was they were struggling a little bit, from what I got told by Eddie. And when that came to an end at Nine Bar, Rude tapped me up and says, "Look, come and we want, I want to do spin on Saturdays. I want to come in and be a partner." Um, me and you would do it, and I was like, okay, probably the best offer I've had. Spins like massive, do you know what I mean? Mm. It's a fucking, one of the biggest brands in the in the whole of, of Birmingham, and it has been for many years. So we went over to Bamboo, and it was uh, fucking mental. Like the first week that we had, we had a queue round past Mr. Egg, and it was just like we had about, I think it was like 1,200 people. Rue Ru told me about that. He said, was it yours and his birthday, joint birthday? Yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. is to be fair. That's that's a stroke of genius. As a promoter, as, as a tactical play to say, guys, launch night and it's mine and Lee's birthday. Get yourselves down. Mate, honestly, it was just fucking mental. Yeah. The queue when it turned up at like nine o'clock was about five hundred deep. It was a joke, but it was Man. just a success there. We we really did well. We had like some really good DJs in on the uh, on the main room, a house room every Saturday, and with the R&B room, the small room, it was just the. Uh, it was just a good vibe, do you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, that, I don't even know how long that lasted for, man. My memory's fucking shit. But it was, mm. uh, it was a good time. I think it must have been about a year and a half I was there. Yeah. Um, and it just, just, it just come to an end. I, I, had, I had some offers coming in, and I was just like, do you know what? Probably time to go and do my own thing again now. Yeah. So I've, I've learned a lot from Rue, do you know what I mean? And mm. they, they, were, they, were good, they were good to me. And 
Rue was a bit um and in what he wanted to do with himself. Do you know what I mean? He was he had he's got his businesses up and running and they were very successful. So he was just like, yeah, I understand what you're doing. He was a bit yeah a bit like, at first, but he understood. Do you know what I mean? So I went, then I got went over to Lavana. Yeah. From Bam- um, and that must have been about probably about six seven years ago now, six years ago maybe. Um, yeah. So I went there after. Yeah. Took. took a team over there with me. Ever again, everyone was like, "What the fuck are you doing, Lee? Why are you going to Arcadia? It's dead shit." Yeah. You go into the old poppy reds. So I was like, "Look, man, I've got plans. It's gonna work." And it was yeah, that was a massive success from day one. I rate you for that though. Big, big and time. Josh Wilson, let's do peace, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had loads of work. We had such good promoters, and just we just created that FOMO again, mate, where everyone was just like, "Fuck, man, I want to get involved in this." Yeah. So, just a shitty little bar in the arcade and just become the talk of Birmingham, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's all the success of everybody who was working for me, 100%. Now that's class, man. I think there's there's a good couple of points to take from there as well. The, the first one that I noticed was the fact that you like partying, but you actually put yourself out there and, you know, you wanted to get noticed by the promoters face-to-face. And I think with the rise of social media now, you probably get it, whether it's a DJ or a promoter, people might message you saying, oh, have you got any sets or um, can I get involved with this or that? And 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 you'll say, oh, have, have you come down? And they'll say, nah. And it's like, mate, you have to go down and show your face consistently. You can't go at a place where you don't know what style of fucking music. You're going on a video that you've seen for 30 seconds, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, what crowd we got, you don't know how they react. DJs, like, I've got probably eight, nine DJs and they're all my best friends and they're all the lads that I use, they understand and, and no, none of my venues would ever be anything without these DJs, mm. they just understand, do you know what I mean? And same with where I'm at now, Hemman, we've got fucking really, really good DJs, they're all well known in Birmingham, they're all top, top lads, do you know what I mean? They all bring something different. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's so important music wherever you go. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And... The second point was, I mean, f- full respect and, and credit for the fact that a lot of people would have doubted you. And I know you don't strike me as the kind of person that would do something to prove people wrong. It's t- to prove to yourself that, that you can do it and, and you can do it right. But anyone who takes those risks, and you're, you're always going to have people doubt you, but full respect for you to have that vision and take over somewhere that maybe you know there wasn't really much expectation a lot of people probably thought it wasn't going to do very well but that that probably comes on to the next question now e- even though personally i don't spend a lot of time at, at arcadian at all because it, it's just not personally my cup of tea but obviously each to their own everyone wants something different out of a night out whether it's music or the vibe but i've always had obviously a lot of respect for the impact that you've had and you've just mentioned there like six years um, before you moved to Henman and Cooper at Nirvana and the thing that struck me was within that complex like the, the level of competitiveness like it, it, it's so dog eat dog because you've literally got a venue attached to another venue whereas we all know we don't need to go into detail. There's politics in the likes of Digbeth, but politics, but, but the venues are like actually separated. Whereas in Arcadian, you've literally got a venue next next to the other. So it was war, mate. Yeah. It was war every week. Uh, we have owners, promoters. Uh, like you said, if, if, if your venue's shit, they've got to walk 20 yards into another one. So you're getting like, you try to hold on to some people all night. It's hard work, but. Like, 
it's all about your team you got to build a good team in them venues yeah and there's some brilliant promoters come out of there like Joey Doyle um, Chris Whitaker was good when he had some events Courtney Damien there's, there's been some really good promoters in there um, but it's it's dog eat dog mate it's mm. every man for himself do you know what I mean you're my friend but you ain't paying my fucking bills so you got to do what you got to do mate and you got to you got to play a bit dirty now and again but yeah <laughs> Jordan's Jordan's just saying there he misses them free drinks cards. Yeah. Fair play because obviously I, I love working for Will, but mate, it took me a couple of years to get my foot in the door before I said to Will, mate, can I can I have a drink, please? You get drink <laughs> only only the one, mate, only the one. Bless him. But how did that working relationship come about then with Levana? So when you moved to Arcadian, was it originally Levana or did it develop into that? It was Poppy Reds, but Poppy Reds didn't really have a good name. So I was just like, let's change the name and come up with Levana um, with Curtis. And uh, we just we just changed the style of what it was. I mean, it used to shut at fucking like midnight on a Saturday before. And it was just, it was just if you were going to Arcadian, out of all the four or five bars, that would be the last one you'd go to, 100%. I think I've been there once before. I've been going to Arcadian for 10, 15 years, you know what I mean? So it was it was just to change the concept of what people remembered it as. So we just went in full with a, with a house venue, just house music. Mm, okay. And again, that in the Arcadian was a bit like, hmm, it's commercial around here. Yeah. So we, we slowly went commercial over the years because, like I said, it was dog-eat-dog and... The, the, the clientele changed over years and you have to sort of obviously adapt and evolve and, yeah yeah you have to evolve yeah yeah, yeah. so it was hard I mean I, I had a really good time at the Vine I, I've got some of my best friends for life from there do you know what I mean I am well out of it um, I just, it was just time to move on yeah when I was speaking to uh, Hannah Wants the other day and her manager, Philly, they were saying about when you were booking her, obviously probably alongside Shorters back in the day before she went to like international superstar. Who were the main DJs that you were booking back then that were like probably quite big now or not, not even necessarily massive internationally, but they've just got a consistently good name in Birmingham or even the UK? It was like DJs that I was booking for like nude and Nine Bar and places like that. Bamboo. We didn't really like six to seven years ago. Most of the DJs have made it by then. Like who? There aren't many that's come through. Like big ones were like Lorenzo, Hannah Wants, um, Tom Zanetti was another good one. Mm. He was a he was a good pull. Um, mate, he's a lady. He's a ladies' man, and he's got that image, mate, where he just kills it, man. <laughs> I've, I've never met him, but I was chatting to Kane Townin, and I didn't actually realise Kane was. Was Kane not cocaine as part of Tom Zanetti and cocaine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a good lad as well. Yeah, mate, he's he's got his head switched on as well, man. I was listening to his podcast that he was doing with... We did one with Shorters, but he did loads of different ones with people in, like, the commercial side or the baseline side. And, yeah, because he runs... Is it Dollhouse up in Leeds? Yeah, that's... It's Yeah, yeah. I know, mate, I've seen the photos. I said... I said to you, I need, I need to get up to Leeds sometime and come and have a beer with you. I went, I went, I went up to Leeds, uh, must have been fucking eight, nine years ago, and had a good night out with one. Uh, they were doing Mission at the time. 
And <sighs> mate, it was just like Rainbow, really, really good. Could not have, and it was all fucking good lads. You know what I mean? Yeah. We booked them a couple of times, just like PAs and, and DJs and stuff. But they've done really well. Fair play to them. Yeah, that's class. I was just seeing there that uh, fair play to Rusky because I was on the same flight as him to Ibiza a couple of years ago. Someone just said you gave him his, his first set. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, me and Damien uh, bought him in on Thursday and uh, we had a, oh, what was that fucking name of that night called, man? Oh, it's just a fucking shitty cheap flight. <laughs> What's it called? It was a fucking stupid name, but it was it was quirky. But yeah, mate, and seeing him, how, how well he's done, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He fucking smashed it, to be fair. Everyone was like, who the fucking hell is this guy? Didn't Trust me. Paid him hardly anything as well, and watching him develop, mate. I mean, he, he only paid for us for, I don't even know how long it was, not, but we weren't long. But he just went on to major success, and fair play to him. I spoke to him yesterday, actually, because I was playing some of his bangers and in the gym, and he's like, damn, my sound like <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, that's you. He said, no, I haven't got a sound player. I was like, someone's fucking personally. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the line now, living it up, bless him. <laughs> I was at, um, after Josh's funeral, bless him, I, I, I went back to someone's gaff and there was this random geezer there and he looked at me and goes, you look like fucking DJ Rusky. <laughs> I said, fuck off. <laughs> fucking hell. So, what the next point I wanted to move on to, I know that, We've already uh, touched upon it briefly around the importance of getting down to nights, especially if you're a DJ and being able to understand the venue and the crowd and being able to read a room. But with so many aspiring promoters, DJs, hostesses and, and more wanting to get involved in the nightlife industry nowadays, because let's be honest, pe- there is a lot of passionate people out there, but nowadays it is, it is the clout that goes with it. It's, you know, it is a bit like the image, but... You've seen so many either succeed or it, it doesn't quite work out. And with your experience and your knowledge and how you observe people, um, how, do, how do you assess in terms of who you give opportunities to and, and who you don't like o- over the years? Mate, I've had probably about 500 promoters work for me. <laughs> and that's not even an exaggeration. I mean, you see, you see the people who, who've got passion and... You, you want hungry people, basically. I mean, you have people come and go. Like, you get the ones who, who break up with their missus and they're coming out for a couple of weeks and want to jump on board. And you're like, mate, you're going to be back with her in a fucking week. So, <laughs> you hit the point, do you know what I mean? But then you also see people who, who have got big plans for themselves. Who, um, you, you, it's hard because there was a lot who tried to run before they could walk. And that was another major thing. It's like, slow down. Come on, you, you've got to learn learn how to do these bits and bobs first before you can jump head first in. But I've seen so many fucking come and go, it's a joke. But there's, there's, there's still, do you know what? There's not that many come through in the last three or four years who, who I know. It's all the old school, and it's all the old school who are still the way. Do you know what I mean? Putting on the events. Um, and that says something, do you know what I mean? That yeah. says something about the work rate and, and the, uh, the experience that they've got with it. Like I said, it goes to show who's hungry because there's some people who might think, oh, I'll do one or two events and they've got this ridiculous misconception that they're going to become loaded off doing one night and then they'll just run off to Dubai. It's like, mate, it doesn't work like that. If you're that hungry, you've got to stick at it for well, years, realistically. Like You might have a little bit of a good run over months, but like you've done and, and like a lot of other promoters, you know, like 
short as well, parking, and obviously I don't, I don't know too many of the the commercial promoters, but in order to do that long term, like Will Power was saying, and, and it's something that I even say as a young person is you've got to be doing it for the right reasons because if you're doing it for the right reasons like you say with, with your experience you you can see that you can observe and see who's doing it for the right reasons yeah. and who's just trying to make a quick paycheck yeah, yeah. but the good thing is i just get on a personal level with people anyway do you know what i mean so get them fucked get them open them up and then <laughs> <laughs> that's what i do most of the time but it, it's a hard it's hard to come into and be successful now i think just because there's so fucking many saturated market and all, also all the older, bigger boys and all the best at it. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, fucking shorters and parking and they're just legendary, bro. For mm. what they do. There's not many, there's only a handful on the, on the commercial scene. Do you know what I mean? But it's one of the reasons why I didn't venture into the, into the um, rave scene because there was just too many bigger boys. Mm. And I just thought, you know what? There's a gap in the market there. There's no one fucking looking at that. So I just ventured into there. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it weren't like a mistake. I just thought, what's the point in putting on 25 grand lineups when I don't have to do that? I can go and try and make a bit more money and, and be a bit more successful in an industry that, in, in, in a sector that's not really touched. Yeah, definitely. I think that that's one thing that, that I notice. I know I, I mean, I've only been doing it two years. And I've still got a long way to go in terms of making a really successful career out of it. But I thought, there's no one doing artist management. And it was something that I was passionate about. And I thought, literally, I don't know one artist. I think Jess Monroe does it, doesn't she? But she does it yeah, with more... Does, yeah. she, she does it with a different style. part of the scene. But in terms of underground artists within like Birmingham and the West Midlands, I thought, there's no one doing artist management here. And it's something that I'm passionate about, like developing people and trying to bring their vision to life. To know you. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> fair fucking play to him, do you know what I mean? He only looks young, but he's taken that, like, and you've you grown with that, mate. So fair play to you. Yeah, yeah, no, respect, mate. I appreciate that. Thank you. But just coming off from what we were saying there um, around like, first initial opportunities, when I was speaking to Brandon, uh, the, the little fucking rascal, he was mentioning that you, you, were, one of, you were one of the first promoters to, to book him. And I know you mentioned, God bless him, rest in peace, Josh Wilson. And did, did Rob as well, obviously Rob from Lab 11, did he work yeah. for you in like, the early days as well? Yeah, they all came and, and promoted for me. I mean, Brandon... To me, he's probably one of the best DJs in Brom, do you know what I mean? And I've sort of, I think I introduced him to World Power, Bushwhackers, just to sort of help him. Because I could see the passion that he had for it. I hope you're watching this brand new little shit. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you owe you Lee about 10 grand in commission, mate, from over the years. I said this to him. I said this to him. He moaned at me once because I paid him like 20 quid less. I was like, mate, add up over five years, how much I've actually paid you, and you've owed about 20 quid. Come on. But, um, yeah, like people like Josh Wilson and, and Rob, they, they do, you could just see that they were different and they had passion for it and they were going to be good. I mean, yeah, I bought them in to promote, but they, they did all the work themselves. Do you know what I mean? I think with Rob, he, I sort of put him in the direction of Amusement 13. And um, with Josh, I was just, I, I sort of helped him with, with his first few photos as well. Um, just because just I could just see that the passion that they had for it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not, it won't really anything that I did. It was just, I just give them a stepping stone to be able to do what I wanted to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Just in there, someone said he's, he's fake tanning at the moment. Probably a, a fair assessment, to be fair. <laughs> Every way that Brandon would love it. Yeah, that's true. Fucking hell. So, in terms of your tactics as a promoter from when you first started out and the way that 
not just the culture has changed, but the landscape and, and how you actually promote events. How has it changed compared to back then when you were like doing flyering or doing lampposts or whatever else? I know you said you've got like a good team around you. How have you had to adapt and evolve as a promoter with how it's changed? Yeah. Mainly social media. Um, and just being that presence of a night, do you know what I mean? Uh, every every event that you do, even if it's weekly, you're getting new people to to your venue. So it's all about just, just being out there and keeping your name and face. This is why I've done this. I'm getting old now. <laughs> Can't be letting that following drop, brother. you got to keep it up there, man. you got to be doing this as public appearance. Yeah, you've got to keep relevant. That's all it is. Um, yeah. And adjust. You've got to adjust, mate. I mean, like I said, when we was in the arcade and we was playing music that I fucking hated, I hated it. I hate that new R&B trap shit. I couldn't stand nah, it. Nah, same here, bro. I fucking hate it as well, man. I can't stand it. Mate, it's just not me at all. Nah. And uh, it got to a point where I was just fucking, I was hating it. And this, I have no control over it. So uh, it's about adjusting to your means. I mean, I needed to fucking pay my mortgage at the end of the day. So I had to stay doing it until the right thing come along. So it's just about adapting your lifestyle and, and, and your views into what it is that you want to achieve. Do you know what I mean? It's until Ronnie's old enough to do ticket scanning outside Hammond and Coop. Doing doing the flyers for the uh, the April reopening. <laughs> Fucking hell, mate! I hope it's sooner than that. Oh yeah, I know, I know. I think it's I think it's more to be honest, the rave scene that's going to be longer to come back. I feel like an establishment like Hammond and Cooper, it's probably a bit easier to to be bringing it back, it's isn't it? Easy, food venue no no so what we've achieved over the last year is a party venue to be now sitting people down i mean everyone fucking hates me there because all i'm doing is sit the fuck down and start dancing and it's just shit so yeah to, to, to actually try and serve food and make people have a good time sitting there eating a fucking pizza it's just against everything that we want to do do you know what i mean our own the owners that i'm working with mate are just fucking bang on I've got quite a few different clubs and bars within Birmingham, and I feel sorry for them because they're real mm. people. Um, but getting, get, they're, they're, they're the ones who are making me like judge it by the music rather than fucking food because they're just like, why do you want to spoil it now by opening early, getting food on, and just not creating that party? Yeah. It's going to make you more damage than good, do you know what I mean? To be fair, I don't think anyone wants to see Jack Gardner on the speakers with chicken wings down his Palm Angels t shirt <laughs> off his head. Yeah, funny funny guy man so i know that you've had some um good partying antics over the years and i did ask you beforehand i know there's there's probably a, a, a limitless amount of stories but what are your standout moments that you look back on proudly and one or two funny stories that stick out for you it, within Birmingham? Because I've got some that are outside of Birmingham, so you're not, you're not having those. You <laughs> <laughs> you've been speaking to. Um, standout moments, mate, was probably doing my first big nude. I mean, we did it over at Balfrey and it was a Halloween party and me, Curtis and AC managed to get over 2,000 people in. And it was just like, we'd only probably been doing it for about a year, like promoting. So to bring that many people in, we fucking had a fortune that night as well, which helped. But that was probably the standout because it was just just amazing just to watch so many people having a good time. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, and I'd say, do you know what? Every launch of every venue I've ever done is a standout moment for me because they're just the fucking best nights. You don't know, you're nervous. You don't know how they're going to go. Um, you, you've put a lot of time and effort into it. And just seeing the rewards on the night. Like, I've, I've, I've launched quite a lot of different nights and venues and they're probably the standout moments for me. Yeah. It's um, mad, is it? Because, I mean, I've... I think that's all right. Being probably be chucked out of my own nights is probably the fucking the <laughs> I've done that a couple of times. Fucking hell. How 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 did you manage that out of interest? Like, how do you manage to get kicked out of your own nights? Well one is a bit too much, I can't really say. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but another one I was, I was just fucked out of face, mate, and got chucked out and found around the corner naked to sleep. <laughs> mate. I've got, mate, I've got millions of stories that I really can't say on air. Yeah, it's all about just making memories at the end of the day, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even if you can't remember them or if you look back like that, fuck, what am I doing? I know. Yeah, yeah. You know what, mate? It's one thing that I've realised more because... When, when I was playing for shorters, um, it like rainbow for 231 and that. When you say there about the importance of making memories, what, what I've come to realise now is... I used to be so obsessed, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I used to always just be kind of like living a bit beyond my means... But actually, when you take a step back, you think, I don't need to be buying this, this and this. I'm actually better off just going out and having a good time rather than feeling like I need to just buy loads of pointless shit that, that I don't need. And I think that's one thing that I'd like to think we've we've woken up to a little bit that, you know, it's nice to have nice things, but like all the material things in, in the Bjorn Endor, it's not really... Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I say that sat here in a designer T-shirt, but yeah, yeah. I said, I say that sat here in a designer t-shirt, but still. Wow, you got to treat yourself now. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm more over. As I've got older, mate, I mean, I'm not into materialistic things at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Memories for me, mate. I've got a family and stuff now, so it's uh, it's more about just fucking creating, creating the best time. Simple as that. Yeah, definitely. He just said it in your Louis Vuitton t-shirt. <laughs> 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 so the next point I wanted to move on to was the fact obviously you've been on the scene for a number of years and you've seen the landscape and, and culture change drastically not just in terms of how you promote um, and this was something that like me and Will Power were discussing what, what would you say are the biggest changes that, that you've seen um, and like what is for the better and what you probably don't like what's gone for the worse I like music nowadays if I'm honest <laughs> I'm just not I'm probably fucking old mate but it's I don't know man the culture's changed because of the music's changed mm. Do you feel like because the music's changed like this is not me singing out genres like trap because I don't really listen to it, so I'm not in the position to educate or preach because people could say, oh, house and techno, that just encourages people to take drugs. Each genre has probably got a bit of a downfall, but I do feel that there's some genres that kind of instigate moodiness. Put some, yeah, it's true. I'm a garage fanatic. Yeah, yeah. But, but when you have, like, garage nights normally, especially when it's vocals and that, people are all loving in that, whereas when it's aggressive, people just want to fucking... Get moody in that sometimes. Well, mate, the reputations of venues, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, that doesn't help, but I mean, I, I'm a fan of grind, I'm a fan of baseline, and you could say they're a bit like, uh, you fucking going for <laughs> But, like, 
I don't know. I, I really can't answer that question very well because I'm a fan of all music, but I just feel like it's changed so much in the last three or four years that, like, it's everything's just going back to old school now. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing new coming out of I do feel like there is a shift now, but when you're saying there about old school, there was that, like, tech house era, and I was guilty of fucking playing it, but after a while, people just think it just sounds all a little bit same old. I want, like, the soul back, and I want the, you know, the feel-good the vibes. The yeah, yeah, And the it's organs. T- Bring back the organs. <laughs> get get uh, Shorters on the organs and uh, Tom Brown. <laughs> have you, have you, I'll tell you what, have you ever met him before, Tom Brown, Shorters? Mate, Iron Iron Lung. He mate, he's one of the. No, no, the um, the small geezer DJ's violin and that is is his DJ name. He's got like three aliases. He's either Mr. Brown, Iron Lung, because I think he just smokes that many fags. Like that's his that's his nickname. But he plays all like the organ stuff, mate. You want to you want to get him on Henry Cooper rooftop? Yeah, bring back the fucking organs. Proper. So. It's always important, especially in the world of social media now, where there's this misconception that everything is smooth and people might look at you and think, um, you know, you've got a big following, you know, you're a well-liked individual. A lot of your nights do well and they make this false assumption that everything runs smooth and Lee's probably okay all the time and you probably have been over the years. Um, But definitely something I was talking about with, Andy Bell, um, and sadly, you know, the impact to an extent that it had on Josh, the, the realities of being a promoter and the level of like stress and pressure that comes with it. I wanted, if you don't mind, just to open up a little bit more about, even though you've had a lot of success and positives over the years, some of the main things you found that, you know, you, you've maybe struggled with as well. This is going to sound bad, mate, but I don't really struggle. Okay. I don't, I don't, not mentally, I don't. No. Not even everyone says like, nothing really phases you. Okay. And I, I don't. I, that, that's probably a bad thing because I want things to, like. Don't get me wrong. Like, I get um, nervous on stuff, but mm. I don't. I don't suffer with like anything really. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's a shit answer. But, no, no, but at least you're, at least you're honest though. The, the, there's no point just sitting there and saying, oh yeah, maybe I've had a bit too much. Well, obviously, we've all had heavy weekends and you, and you feel like shit afterwards, but I think it is a fair... I think it's a fair point, though, that the, the scene affects everyone in different ways. Like Sometimes I've thought, I'm surprised I probably haven't impacted myself more mentally, and that's not encouraging anyone to really push themselves to the brink. And don't get me wrong, I don't do the whole straight-throughs and all that, but I do think sometimes when I'm working all week on a full-time job and then... I'm literally working seven days a week and I'm not really sleeping as much as I should do you, you, because you go to bed before 4 a.m. Right. Right. Mate, that's probably me now, to be fair. As soon as After Dark starts, we're two hours in and I just backdoor it on a paranoid one and go home. I, 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 everyone knows me as the biggest backdoor of my <laughs> Prefers a faggot that's acted that right. Uh, yeah, I, I, my days are fucking insane. Like, I've, done, I've done that, man. But I've never been one for like, once the party finishes... For me, to go back to someone's kitchen, it's just like, what the fuck am I doing here? I want to be a party. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I never go through straight through and be, like, moulded. I, I suffer bad with hangovers. And I've just, I've had to get on it every fucking weekend for the last 10 years. Do you know what I mean? 
this is why this lockdown has sort of done me good, just to fucking reboot my, my kidneys. And my That's what I was going to ask. I know you said that it doesn't affect you too much, but does it never, like, wear you down and drain you? Because before I moved to Birmingham, I, I used to manage a, a sports bar for this, this geezer. You used to have a wine bar in, in Noel in Solihull, like, years ago. But like, he became like, really successful with, like, old-school pubs and sports bars and that. But because of where it was, it was only, like, a, a small town... Everyone knew who he was, the same as you as well. But you'd always have like different people popping in, and you always feel obliged to constantly be drinking and and partying. And you kind of feel like you kind of feel like although yeah, you you want to do the right thing and and show face and be present, you always feel like because you're without wanting to be centre of attention, because you're like the main face there. Everyone wants to get fucked with you. Everyone wants to just constantly I party that. with I you. Enjoy that. Um, it got to a point where I got fucking mentally bored of it, I guess. Um, just being that person that, like, someone comes in, oh, let's get fucked. I'm like, mate, man, you're from that side. Yeah, but I'm like, you never get fucked. I'm like, mate, you come out once every two months. I'm out every fucking weekend. Just let me have a fucking chill out, do you know what I mean? But, yeah, that's working. I've worked for, I've worked for a couple of arseholes over the years, like, who have done me good and done me bad and stuff. And that, 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 that can be a stress, do you know what I mean? I've got... I'm working now for some fucking great people and yeah. their vision and, and what they're, they're looking to help with and the future. And, do you know what I mean? That's so important, mate. So having, important. having a good investor is a massive thing because, like you say, being able to have someone that you get on with on, on a personal level but someone who trusts you and gives you that creative freedom and flexibility because they, they trust you. And obviously, you've got a proven track record. If you were to go to an investor now of an establishment and they were saying, oh, Lee, don't know about this. You'd be like, well, mate, why have you brought me in? Because if I've got a proven yeah. track record, why, why bring me in in the first place if you're not yeah, giving me that free reign? I, I went into this role as more um, manage, obviously management side, but to bring in my experience, you know what I mean? Which made sense from some from, from an owner's point of view. Why don't you get a guy who can, who can maybe fill a venue and also manage it? So that was one of the reasons why I went, was to, to stop the whole party. I mean... Like from, I literally, I've been fucked every weekend for fucking 10 years. Do you know what I mean? I, I count on my hands, two hands, nights off that I've not drank in, at Levana in six years. <laughs> That's like, like two weekends a year that I haven't been literally fucked. And it got to a point where I was just like, do you know what, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I don't want to be doing this anymore. I'm getting too old. I'm, I'm around fucking 18-year-olds and it's just... It was shit. I didn't like it. But yeah. going into this venue and being on more management roles, can't get fucked. You know what I mean? So mm. everything was just like it just worked out in the, in the way that I wanted it to for the to the future steps. So yeah. I was I was happy to make that choice. No, that, I mean that that's a good move in, t- in terms of your own well being as well is is realizing that you, that you needed to to make that move. But I think everything as well has. An, an expiry date and you don't want to get too complacent by I mean you could probably stay at Nirvana for 20 years but everything's got a sell-by date and you probably think I think the main successful promoters I mean it's not saying that you can't stay at one venue but sometimes you do need that fresh start and a new environment to just test yourself again and, and, and push boundaries because otherwise you get too comfortable and you think well I'm too settled here I'm just doing the same thing and I know it's guaranteed to probably do well most of the time as well yeah, I mean, like- Obviously, it's nervous and uh, exciting at the same time doing something new. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a risk. I'm comfortable. I'm earning good money. I've got my friends around me. I'm, do- I'm hardly doing anything for my money. So to, make, to take a risk to go and do something totally different is hard. And it's, but if you've got the confidence in yourself 
um, it's, it, it, the right decision will always be the one that you go with, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just got to follow your gut with everything like that. I mean, I had quite a few offers from different places, but I don't know, I just, I just felt like this was, this was for me, so... Um, it looks like the right move, mate, to be fair. I mean, I, I sent you the other day, I, I really regret not being able to come down properly, but sometimes, because I only live literally around the corner now from Henman and Cooper, but I was thinking, oh, fucking, I really wanted to, sometimes I like just popping down by myself, and then like you say, it's nice to just walk into a venue, you know Brandon's going to be there, you know you're going to be there, but now it's like, oh, uh, have, you, have you got your track and trace? And I know that, to be fair to you, that's what Rujay was saying, he said he was proud of you because... You've gone from like that party boy to that more mature stage now, where you know that you've got a license to uphold. You can't just let everybody. Old, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that as well. You're becoming an old cunt, to be fair. Yeah, but it's true though. I mean, it's it's totally different role. I mean, as a promoter, you, your job is to get people and get fucked and create that party. Whereas here, it, it's a different it's a different part of town, mate. You don't need promoters. No. Nah. Um, it's more respectable, isn't it? Um, my office is uh, just by Pigeon Park, by Cornwall Row, and that part of town is pretty upmarket, man. You've got all the solicitors, all the accountants, all yeah, like the banks and that. It's uh, bastards there at the minute. They're all on fucking furlough. I know, so yeah. That's another reason why we're not sort of venturing there yet. But hopefully, when it's back, mate, because we've got um, the other bar down the road as well, theatrics on the corner. The owner owns that. Right. Okay. Victoria uh, Square. And we've just got planning permission to take the roof off, so make that a rooftop bar as well. Okay, now. Overlooking Victoria Square, so. Fucking hell. It's like a game of Monopoly, mate. It'll be, uh, <laughs> when you're walking. He's on it, mate. He's on it. He owns snobs as well. So far, he owns quite a few, so. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a good guy. If you watch him, Wayne, I doubt it. But, um, yeah, he's good. And Ross. Ross is the other owner. Good guy. So I'm working for two top men at the minute. Learning a lot of them as well. Did you know them already then before they approached no, you? Or? No, no. Um, I, I, I don't know them. Um, I met Wayne briefly once, uh, about three months before I actually went there. Um, not, not as a, just as a brief meeting, but with other people involved. So I just, I just, as soon as you meet somebody, mate, you sort of know where, what, what way you're going to go with them. Do you know what I mean? And the full support that I've had for him and Cooper, mate. I mean. It is, a, it is a very good, very nice venue, and it's going to do very, very well, whether, yeah. I like it, whether it be now or in the future. So. Yeah, definitely, you can tell that. I think it's got, from, from what I've seen in terms of pictures, it's got that nice contrast between like the inside and then the outside is probably a bit more like full-on party, whereas well, inside... Oh, really? It's a bit different, and the day when I can just open that whole venue and go... Go where the fuck you want. You have different music on different floors. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking vibe, man. It's going to be so good. Mm. Like, the clientele we get as well, it's like an older crowd, good-looking people, but they're all there just for the music, like a bit of house, a bit of disco, and just, just bangers, you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're a dickhead, you ain't coming in, just to let you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming down then, mate. I'll see you somewhere else. <laughs> I'll cover my face so he hasn't got a picture of me in front of the fucking door. Just get up, mate. <laughs> you fucking wank. <laughs> so, just before we leave, I, as I said, I have got some dirt on you. I've been speaking to a couple of your nearest and dearest. Yeah. <laughs> Now, don't, don't worry, I haven't got anything too bad because I do appreciate with your management role, you've got a bit more of a reputation to uphold. You can't get away with it like you used to be able to. So the first one, 
is I heard that when you went on holiday, you got you got pushed in a pool and you shit yourself. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> Mate, how, how, how did that even happen? Was it that unexpected or were you hammered or how did you shit yourself? I was mate, for, for two weeks and I was eating street food. I wasn't able to go to the toilet for ten days. And it got pushed in and it just went... Mate, it's going to... Mate, it probably makes in-betweeners look... Makes in-betweeners look PG if, if you've just... That's the wife. Yeah, mate. Yeah, she she did tell me that one. To be fair to her, I got I got Brandon to give me her number and she gave me some of the lowdown. <laughs> She's just done a runner out the door, mate. I just heard the door slam. The next one was one of your pals forwarded a voice note to Rachel, which she then gave to me about the time where I think you were in Ibiza and you got back at some ridiculous hour. And you were trying to tell the lads, oh, lads, let's carry on, let's carry on. And they said, Lee, fucking go to bed, man. Like, give it a rest. And all of a sudden, they heard this commotion and they looked out and you'd gone two doors down, walked into someone's apartment room and climbed over fucking two balconies to get into their room. Um, I don't know who... It was a geezer who forwarded a voice note to Rachel and it, is that a true story like did you actually climb over two balconies just to get into their yeah, room fucked out my face man. <laughs> man, I walked into this room because the lads was, it must have been about seven o'clock I was fucked and I was all going to bed man I was like nah this ain't happening this is not happening so that day I was just fucking get up man and just being a bit of a dickhead so and then uh, they kicked me out so I thought, fuck this, I'm getting up there somewhere. So I went down and there was this door open and I walked in, mate, everyone's just fucking mangled on the floor. Oh, it's pissed out the reds. And uh, climbing over people, someone's shagging in the corner. And uh, <laughs> I climbed over the balconies, yeah, so the, when I opened up the fucking double doors, they just looked at me and I was just like, fucking, I just, I went wild, mate, throwing shit on me, everything just, yeah, it weren't, but yeah, that was a, that was a holiday I broke my broke my heels as well see that that's what i asked i said to rachel is that the same balcony story where that was another story that i had or is that the same is that the same incident or same <laughs> yeah i was a bit of a yeah what year what year was that fucking now must have been 10 years ago yeah maybe even before but i was uh yeah i was fucked again shock <laughs> Yeah, well, I had a friend come over and he was like, I'm going to save you. So I was like, yes, sweet. We stayed, we stayed in that fucking dog shit hotel in Ibiza by the egg. What's it called? I know which one you mean. I've, I've been in there with some random Irish people. Fucking, it's wicked. He threw his bag over the balcony, over the, over to the pool. I said, I'll go get him, mate. Just wait here. So as I was spotted, he started like below two floors and I went up. No, you start on the second floor or something, and I went up two floors. I thought, fuck it, I'll hang out this window on the stairs and just drop down two floors, it's fine. Little did I know that it was four floors. So I was like, I hung up, like, in pitch black, I remember just dropping, thinking, when the fuck am I going to land? Where am I going to land? And all of a sudden, just went, poof, straight on my heels. And the thing is, no fucking door was there. Because uh, I was in this little courtyard, I thought, where the fuck am I? I'm crying on the floor, ripped out my head, wrecked. And uh, yeah, I was that to fucking pull me up, man. Yeah, so that wasn't the best start to a fucking holiday in Ibiza. <laughs> I couldn't even go out, man. 
Going out with Rouge and that back then, because when I was speaking to him yesterday, he was saying that obviously he did pretty well out in Ibiza as well. Was that that kind yeah, of area, was it? Him. I went out there with him to do some poker up parties and some rock and roller parties. That was good. That was fucking messy as well. Every time it's just messy. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a recurring theme here, mate. Every story just involves you being it's fucking messy. Like, uh, but yeah, I had a really good time out there. We were selling some tickets and stuff. Um, for the poker up bow parties, we did um, Pasha as well. Did some good events with Ru. Um, he smashed it out there. To be fair, mm. they had uh, all the lads out of there from Rock and Roller. And, uh, it was just a good time, really good time. We you got to say, fair play as well because. I mean, it's not even disrespecting any promoters because you can do very well in your city or the UK, but I, Ibiza is just on a completely different level. Like to do well out there, you've you've just got to be either a little bit of a stroke look, but just on another level, man, to do well out yeah. there. I mean, like this was a fair few years. I mean, the first time I went out in Ibiza was probably two thousand and three. Fucking, I'm showing my age now, and I'm probably uh, it must have been two thousand and three. And like the change over there is just drastic as well. I mean, even from ten years ago to now, it's more commercial and it's more. It was more about the music then, but now it's more about Ocean Beach and fucking birds with a tic tac. Do you know what I mean? Not my cup of tea, mate. I was when um, there's a guy called Nick Ferguson. I don't know if you know him. He's he's quite big in Ibiza. I think he. I'm trying to think. I think he was involved with Cream back in the day, like up in Leeds, and he was saying that. With what he does over there, he, he basically acts as like a promoter, but for all of the brands. So he knows how to like, say if it's um, defected on one night and then DC Circle Oco another night. But he was actually saying about Ocean Beach, he said, it, it's funny nowadays when you have people that say, oh, Ibiza is really expensive. And he goes, well, yeah, it fucking is. He goes, if you're only earning £300 a week as a hairdresser and you roll Ocean Beach and you've just spent two grand on a bottle, then funny enough, yeah, it is fucking quite expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, isn't it? Like, I've spent some stupid money on me for fucking hell, but I've had the best time, so I don't regret anything. Nah, I've, I've I, got no regrets on anything. I, I don't regret it at all, mate. When, when I look back, I mean, I'm 26 now, so I'm, I'm, I'm still a baby to be fair in the grand scheme of things. But when I was like 18, 19, I was going to a lot of nights where I stood there and I thought, fucking hell, I'm not really enjoying this. And the move that I've made now, you know, meeting people like yourself and Shorters and Royal Power, I think, mate, best move I've ever made in my life. Like, I wouldn't have the memories that I have now if I didn't take that, yeah. take that risk and make the move. Come, Definitely, mate, 100%. So the the next story, sorry to keep you, mate, because there, there is a couple here. There's uh, quite a few. So the next one is you getting a Prince Albert done and you having to get... <laughs> Having to get your cock bandaged. Did did someone keg you at bamboo? What what was the story there? What was the story? Oh mate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck's sake. Uh, yeah, I was fucked. I was pissed one day and I went and got my uh went with a girl who was getting a nipple piercing done. I was like, Yeah, I'll get my dick done, mate. She was like, Yeah, whatever. And I was like, No, nah, I will. So she she paid for it and was like, I've got to go on then. I was like, What do you mean? She was like, I paid for it now. I was like, fuck. So yeah, I ended up getting it done, and uh, as I was getting it done, she had a she had a funny turn. The girl watching, she had a sweet in her mouth. I gave her a sweet to sort of get a blood going or whatever, and she passed out. And while the girl was fucking piercing my dick, 
she was, the bird was choking, so she's getting sweet out. So that was sort of the story. And uh, yeah, so it was because I was pissed as well. I just kept bleeding. <laughs> Shouldn't have probably done it because I was steaming. I hadn't been to bed that night. That's one of the times I stayed up, Brandon. Um, so yeah, I uh, after about four or five hours, and it just it was still fucking pissing, like loads of blood coming out. And uh, I rang this girl. I said, "Look, man, you're gonna have to come back. To, you're gonna have to come to the hospital with me." I was working at Bamboo that night as well. Um, this was before spin and. That was a, it was the ninth birthday, so it was nine years ago, I think. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I went to the hospital and they were like, "Look, we've got to, we've got to take it out. You've got to have, have surgery." I was like, "Fuck, I'm having surgery, mate. Just get it out." So like, I had six uh, nurses and doctors around me, all students, girls. Is that is that you trying to big yourself up, saying your knob was that big? <laughs> <laughs> safely if everyone's well there's a lot of people probably feeling a little bit down at the moment that story's definitely just made a couple of people smile and laugh through all this (laughs) shit (laughs) and then the the final one once again i don't know how this has happened how did it come about where you sat down and you broke a wine glass and the flute went up your ass how how, only that could happen to you i'm figuring from all these stories that you just got a bit of bad luck with. I was, I was an actual dickhead. I was at, I was at my night. I was at my night, dude. And um, I was fucked. And uh, I just, I was having a dance, and there was these sofas, so I just thought, fuck it, I'm gonna have a sit down. So I was having a dance like, yeah, and then jumped on the sofa like that, and there was a broken wine stem pointing up on the sofa. I just went straight into my ass. I was like, ah. What the fuck was that? It went into my butt cheek. I didn't go up my bum. Ah, uh, okay. Didn't go up my ass. But, uh, yeah, I was pissing with blood. That's going to the hospital. I have some stitches in my ass. But I managed to get some comfort out of that. I got a couple of grand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bastards. I've still got a scar, though, so... Yeah. Fucking hell. Where have you got them stories from, mate? They were good. I, yeah. think, I think pretty much all of them were... Were you missus, actually, mate? So. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Rue, like I say, I thought he was going to dish some dirt on you, but... In fairness to him, no. So I kept that. Hey. 
he, he did say, because um, obviously I'm, I can't really sit here and ask you because you're not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. But he gave full respect to you because he said he trusted you to kind of take things over for him because he had other, other business ventures. And he just said he liked the fact that, you know, you're, you're humble. I mean, yeah, in some respects, like, like you said, you might have been a cock at times, but not with people in terms of your... Your, your role and that, but it, a big thing as well um, that he mentioned. Yeah, I got a lot of people I respect you know, like Danny Kane, Will Power, D, um, Room. There's loads, mate. There's absolutely loads in the industry, and they're all nice people, man. So yeah, I learned off them. Do you know what I mean? Just had to be nice, I guess. He he said as well the importance of not burning bridges, and I'm sure we've seen that loads over the years. But he said even though you kind of went your separate ways, you and Rue. There was no fallout, you know, you both respected and he respected what you wanted to do and, you know, you both... Rue's been position before, mate, um, mm. with people in the industry, do you know what I mean? So he knew the score, do you know? You have to do what's best for you sometimes. And yeah, of course. it's not always best for other people, but sometimes you've got to look after number one, do you know what I mean? Exactly. So it's, it's a difficult decision to make in them circumstances, but everything works out, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I ain't got no regrets, nothing. Nah, well, I'm, I'm sure you have. If we spent enough time there, you might have one or two regrets. <laughs> Maybe the maybe the wine flute and falling off the balcony. Yeah, uh, I'll do it again for a couple of grand, mate. Just have me ask some wine, mate. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> and then the the final question, just before I let you go, is I know you said uh, fingers crossed if if things are back to normal in in the near future, is around opening Hemman and Cooper, like all all four parts. What are your main plans go, going forward, like in a post COVID nineteen world, that you can give us a bit of a sneak peek into? venues that the owners got I mean they're all managed by great people who and we can all sort of do each other's jobs so there might be more venues coming on um there might we've got the option as well we've we've been given granted um a couple of passes to do some street parties in the over the summer so providing Covid fucks off by the summer we've got um a couple of a couple of destinations across Birmingham up the end where Colmore is and down away the Arcadian. So we've got that coming up. I think there's about six uh, licenses for them. So it's just, uh, I'm just trying to build a, a venue where people don't have to come out every week, but they enjoy the atmosphere, the people there and the music. And it's as simple as that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that I made the move yeah. from, from, from there to, to, to a, a a more older crowd, you know what I mean? That's that's the one thing. So it's I'm I'm in a, I'm in a good spot at the minute, mate. I got great people who are working with me and around me. And yeah. Me. So yeah, I'm just I'm in a, I'm in a happy place. No, that's that's good, mate. Like I'll make sure when hopefully fingers crossed we can get tier two next week. I'll come down and have a lime and soda with you, mate. <laughs> that's what I fucking drink. I know, mate. I've seen the picture, lime and soda. <laughs> Yeah, mate, to be fair, since I moved into this new gaff, there's a decent space between both apartments, so it's going to get abused, this kitchen is at some stage. I don't know why I'm saying this when there's 46 people viewing live. It's just an, it's just an invite for people to come around mine and get fucked. I'll send the address, guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, mate. Now, I just want to say really appreciate your time, mate, to know you've been approached well, to... You. To, I, I to do this before. Mate. You've took a, 
I've never done anything like this. It's, it's not me, man. I don't want to sit here and big myself up and talk about myself because it's it's never me. It's always the people around me who do my job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just good at picking them people. That's all it is. So the way that you presented it, mate, and then then put these questions forward. No respect to you, mate. I've been watching all the rest that you do as well with the people. Nice one. Cheers, mate. We'll uh, see you soon. Take care. Nice one. Bye, man. See Cheers, you, mate. mate. See ya. Ta-ra.